Edge Radio. Aaron, I love that new opening. Man, I am super excited to be here for episode 201, February 1st, 2015. As always, Bass Edge Radio is brought to you by MegaWare Keel Guard. Proud partner of Bass Edge Radio since 2006. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. That's right, Aaron, and you can purchase all of their products the Keelguard, Skegguard, Skeg Pro, Scuff Buster, and Flex Step at their website, keelguard.com. Y'all, we're going to be right back. Bass Edge Radio is ready to move. know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerful is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerful deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerful won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerful, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Shoo, Aaron. Man, I can't believe we're back on the horn again. Excited today to talk to uh, another pro angler and lots of other stuff going on in our little bass fishing community. Yeah, in the bubble that you live in, Kurt, of course, in my universe, you know, there's uh, some other things going on. Matter of fact, getting ready for the big Valentine's Day trip that I've got coming up. And, you know, I, I consider myself pretty savvy when it comes to, uh, you know, relationship, let's just say, taking care of the missus. You know, I, I, she's got a birthday coming up that's in March. So what I did, I actually scheduled us a trip, kind of doing the little double dipping, where I'm going to get credit for a Valentine's Day trip and a birthday trip combined because we're doing it for her birthday, but I'm doing it over Valentine's Day, and I'm going to be out in Sedona, Arizona. So uh, going to go where it's a little bit warmer. That's a beautiful place. I have uh, capitalized on Sedona with my <laughs> wife, actually. But, uh, Aaron, I think we're uh, headed right into a new segment. Why don't we uh, have some Valentine's Day tips for our Bass Edge Nation? That way they can maybe grab that extra reel without getting the beat down from the wife or, or whatever. But uh, it sounds pretty good, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited for you, and uh, I haven't made my plans yet, so uh, I better get on it real well, quick. Well, I've got the perfect gift for you. It's a gift certificate for Dr. Phil, and we were actually going to have him on the line today, but uh, something came up. He had to go into emergency marriage counseling, but that will be coming your way, Kurt. But speaking of kind of what's coming out through the airwaves, you know, I understand that, I don't know if this is more of an economic situation. I, I don't know if, if I've been watching, you know, the Huffington Post on the beatdown with all this criminal activity, but it seems like in the bass fishing world, it's inflation and and talking about rap sheets for anglers. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's crazy. You see on the Bass Blaster, there's a bass boat 
priced MSRP hundred and two plus thousand dollars. Only Hold. two left. Only two left. <laughs> oh my goodness! Unbelievable. Of course, you know it had the uh, buy now price tag for a eighty three k. Man, Bass Blasters always delivering the goods. But Aaron, can you tell me how to deliver the goods to purchase a uh, hundred thousand dollar bass boat? That's more than what I gave for my first house, and it's uh, you know, of course, we're joking about this, but I do see this as a serious problem for anglers in the continuation of our sport. And, you know, Kurt, you and I have talked about it many times. I grew up with a bicycle, one tackle box, and a collapsible pole riding to where I could catch the fish. And I'm just a little concerned about where that's headed. Yeah, there's no question there's concern about it. You know, obviously, a couple episodes ago, we talked to Chad Hoover and the uh, kayak bass, and could be a lot of people headed that way. <laughs> there's no doubt. He, yes. he might be on the cutting edge of the new bass fishing. Everybody will be in a kayak. Who knows? At any rate, you talked about some other activities out there in the bass fishing community and dude the match went down at toho back in january we had bass fishing world getting a little upheaval with ish monroe and keith poche having a little uh, incident um down in toho at the lock and turned out that uh man unfortunate i gotta say you know i feel bad for the whole situation but ish gets charged with battery who knows how this whole thing's shaking out here but uh man hopefully it all comes to a fruition here in the next little bit yeah and- you know and I just, uh, my thing is, of course, neither of us know, and I'm certainly not going to speculate either way, but uh, man, why can't we all just get along? This is supposed to be fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it is, Aaron. And let's do that. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it real. Let's go into the pro tip from protecttheharvest.com right after this message. This is Denny Brower. Stay tuned right here for more Bass Edge Radio. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Today's pro tip brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Fish on the move with FLW and Lucas Oil Pro, Bill McDonald. What conditions would trigger a bass to move from wintering locations to pre-spawn staging areas? And my key, the two things I'm looking for is a warming trend and also looking for that moon phase. You know, it depends on which part of the country you're in. But uh, that late February, early March, that moon phase that comes on there will uh, trigger that as long as, like I said, a warming trend as well. Thanks, Bill. That's your ProtectTheHarvest.com Pro Tip of the Week. Keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats superior in design and build. With a flawless finish. With our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride. Extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. I'm professional angler Keith Polshay. You're hanging with Aaron and Kurt from Bass Age Radio. 
In this segment of our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, we have a 2015 Bass Fishing Hall of Fame inductee, probably best known by Bass Fishing Insiders as the legend, the one and only Harold Allen. It's awesome to have you with us on the show, Harold. Kurt, man, it's a pleasure. Uh, just kind of hanging with you and old Aaron over there, just chit-chatting about bass fishing, dude, anytime. I love it. Well, Mr. Allen, you know, it's truly an honor to have you on. And I've seen you in and around bass fishing for literally as long as I've been alive. And let's take kind of a walk back in time, and maybe way back, but when did you actually begin fishing for a living, and how did your bass fishing tournament career start? Aaron, we actually uh, started doing it as fishing at 69, probably. We got it uh, on the weekend. 69 and just got into us, you know, and I started thinking, man, if I could do this every day, what better way to do it, you know, make a living fishing, and uh, back then, I was making $35 a day, and I didn't even realize how much work I had to do to pay the bills at $35 a day, but no, we started in 69, part-time, and then 70, jumped over there full-time. We got it all the way to 1980, I fished one permit in 76, uh, one man, Tommy Mark, he just kept hammering over. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to fish these tournaments. So uh, we fished one in 76 and one full time in 77 and actually made the classic first year. Harold, that's unbelievable. You know, it's always interesting to hear. It seems like in everybody's story, there's an individual that kind of introduced them to this tournament fishing and, and kind of pushed us all along to, hey, you know, give that thing a try. And I'm sure you talk to Tommy all the time. You guys live very close, you know, together over there there in Toledo Bend country. It's got to put a little sparkle in his eye, too, knowing that this guy that I've known for all this time, and he's now going to be inducted into the uh, Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. That is a really cool deal. You know, when you think about that, what does that mean to you? Well, Kurt, you know, inside you wonder if you can do it. You know, you wonder if you cut out to it. You wonder if you're, you have enough knowledge, enough ability to do it. Tommy and I were guiding to pretty close to each other on Toledo Bend, and I guess he kind of, not only did he want me fishing, he, he kind of knew inside that I could do it. And, and I guess just maybe your, your fellow competitors having enough confidence in you saying, hey, dude, you can do this, you know. And probably, probably that was the deal, just saying, you know, uh, he, he helped me overcome my lack of confidence, I guess. I because when I did it, I never fished out of the state of Texas. I mean, it was a whole brand new game to me. Man. Right, that's pretty awesome. Now, you've been everywhere in your fishing career. and I mean, everywhere. I, have you caught a bass in every state yet? <laughs> <laughs> Just about. Uh, Mexico, Japan, we've even fished Japan you know, a couple of times. And, uh, and we've seen some water. I promise you, seen some beautiful sunglasses and some awesome sunsets. You bet, you bet. Well, what is the memory that you would say is the highlight of your storied career, and what makes it special for you? There are so many, I could hardly name them, but probably that very first year that I went tournament fishing. I was in Florida. We were fishing the uh, St. John's River, and I was actually running up on area called Dunn's Creek to get into Lake George, and I hit a log. It absolutely just tore the low end, cleaned off the outboard. When you do that, you do one of two things. You call for help and you drop the troll motor and start fishing. So I dropped the troll motor and started fishing and actually found a, a great water fish. But during that tournament, I had to go no motor, which was great. So I drew a guy called Jack Chancellor, which back then was one of the outstanding pros. Well, we went to my fish. Jack was having a problem. We went to my fish and and I worked on him pretty good. I wore him out out of the back of the boat. And his, <laughs> his comment going in that evening was, now I've got another guy i got to beat just to make it to the classic. And this was my first year ever fishing BASS, you know, and I made a top 10 in Florida, which I'd never even seen before. 
get it. Wow. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, you know as, as a Hall of Fame inductee in any sport, but has a lot, Harold, to do with just overall contributions to the sport. And certainly yours is a very long list, but also in that certainly gets into statistics. And looking at yours, you finished in the top 10 in five Bassmasters Classics, and I believe in the top five in four of those. What an awesome accomplishment. But if you could have one of those events back to kind of relive, which one would it be? And, and what would you have done differently to kind of ensure that you claim the title? In 81, we lost the Classic by 15 inches. And this happened. I had another competitor that got in ahead of me the second day, and I was in a pretty confined area. But it put me in a bad position the second day. We had a terrible second day and, and still come from third to second. But I guess if I had it to do over what I would have done would would have really bore down and concentrated on some key areas because that second day when I saw what was happening, I, I really got rattled. I lost a little of my confidence and I started fishing way fast. Had I slowed down that day and just caught one more fish with a World of Classic in 81. It's amazing that even with a career like yours, again, you know, I'm piling the sand here, but Hall of Fame inductee it's freaking awesome and then to see how close you came to even rising above hall of fame status i mean you know being so close it just shows in bass fishing how successful you can be and then how close you are to just blowing everybody else out of the water and harold you are in that position it's such a cool place to to come from a great place that you've traveled from and and still involved in the sport in every way possible. I mean, you're out there, you know, taking kids fishing, doing seminars, appearances, fishing team tournaments, fishing tournaments in East Texas. I mean, you're all over the place. So you've been able to see all these things and strive through and be so successful. I got to ask you, 80s and 90s, how was the game played differently when you came up through? You know, you kind of you know, quit the tour fishing in 2003. We know the technology differences and the cost to play the sport and all that stuff has changed quite a bit. What about the approach to becoming a professional angler? What are the differences from those earlier days than it is right now? Kurt, in those older days, 80s, 90s, you know, without bragging or, or sounding like I'm way better than anybody else, it had to be raw talent. You had to be really good at a multitude of lures and not only that, but being able to find fish. You know, we didn't have the equipment then that we have now. We don't have the lake maps that show every little contour line. You punch a button on the computer and there's the lake laid out in front of it. We didn't have those tools. So the guys that had raw talent, I mean, they were able to read water to fish enough to know fish habitats and be able to apply that to where we were. Those were the guys that kind of were mostly consistent. Again, without being too out of line, there was a lot of respect in those days. I mean, we would go into a pocket if there's no angler in there, we'd go completely, I mean, just turn into a 180, you know, because we didn't approach or infringe upon each other. But it was much different then. But, you know, today, I think the fisheries are better. The fisherman himself has so much more knowledge right off the bat than we ever had to start with. So it's a whole different game today. Today, to promote yourself, I think you got to be able to sell as well as fish. You know, be a good fisherman, but be able to sell as well. That's great advice right there. And, and uh, you know, the respect, I think that is something that, you know, perhaps is, is kind of a rare commodity anymore, Harold. You know, that's something that Kurt and I talk a lot about. And looking back in those days, you know, you kind of look at baseball and they had the Gaslight Gang or 
were in music, you know, you had the Rat Pack. And in fishing, you were part of the Hempel Gang back in the 80s and, and early 90s. And, and for our younger listeners, tell them who was in the gang and really what did it mean for you to be a part of it? There in the Hempel Gang, uh, I guess, is, is something a little bit tangled with the rest of my life. It was a group of guys from the East Texas area. Uh, we all lived on Toledo Bend. And probably we were very, very competitive. But the reason we were is because we lived and grew up on a lake that offered a variety of fishing patterns each day. I mean, Toledo is 76 miles long, and you could fish grass, you could fish wood. It was a tremendous learning lake. The guys that was on there was all Tommy Martin, Larry Nixon, John Torian, myself, and another guy by the name of John Hall. The whole deal was that we cast checks wherever we went. The Hippo game with the guys that you had to beat to get a check. Very fortunate to be one of those guys. Yeah, you talked about, you know, an angler being able to sell himself, and uh, that is a tool to be associated with a group of guys that kicked everybody's butt really often, <laughs> you know. If, if, you didn't, <laughs> yeah. if you did well in a tournament or you didn't, you knew one of the guys from your area was going to do well. So it was almost like, you know, if Nixon did well, or if Harold Allen did well, or if Tommy Martin did well, or, or the other members of the gang that you were associated with doing well also, even if you didn't, but just because you were part of the Hemp Hill Gang and everybody's looking around saying, well, dadgummit, look, there's Harold again, you know, another top five finish, the Hemp Hill Gang, man, they're tough to beat. And, and even if you finished 60th or something and had a poor tournament and, and Tommy Martin did well, that, you know, everybody was saying, man, there's that Hemp Hill Gang, another top five, and then all of a sudden you're associated with that every tournament, like, man, these guys are tough to beat. That's a pretty cool piece of history and uh, a neat thing to be a part of, no doubt. Fellas, we need to take a quick break here from Memory Lane. Bass Edge Radio will be right back with the legend, Harold Allen. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stick around, and later in the show, you just might hear some Bass Edge bloopers. I know it's hard to believe, but Aaron and Kurt make a mistake once in a while. Okay, well, it happens a lot, actually. Back to the show. You're listening to Bass Edge. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, returns with pro angler and my respected hero, Harold Allen, in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. All right, guys, I got to ask one more question that takes us down memory lane. Harold, you certainly have stories upon stories. I've heard many, many stories about you, about some crazy things that happened over the years on tour. Give me one of the most outlandish stories that occurred for you. And then if you can also let us know something else that you've seen with another angler through the years that was just out of control. Kurt, uh, gosh, man, you're talking about 40 years of fishing. Uh, <laughs> probably one of the uh, craziest things, and this is almost being dangerous. Uh, we was fishing uh, Utah, Alabama, and I was running way up the river. 
sometimes you run, sometimes you stay close. This particular deal, I found some fish way up the river and was still in a practice day and looking for other fish. Well, I run it up the river and I take the chute off the river. Uh, back then we had maps, you know, we didn't have the ch- ships in our units. Well, this map showed this great big bay off the left, so I'm running up this bay and I look at this cow's over here. He's standing in the water, you know, up to his neck. And I'm saying, well, man, I could, I could go even further than I thought I could. Well, I get just about even with this cow and she stands up. And I mean, he's just a water dude. <laughs> I myself and I, buddy, I put her some more up in the mud. I mean, it took me a while to get out of there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but that was one of the perils. I mean, you know, you uh, it wasn't a peril. I guess it was just uh, I just wasn't doing what I should have been doing. That's pretty amazing. I, I got one. I got I got to tell you, somebody leaked one on you. I was talking to a buddy of mine down here in Del Rio, and he was telling me this little story. He said, "I tell you, we were all going to uh, Alabama River for a tournament." Said Harold pulls into the parking lot, unhooks his boat, gets ready to take off, jacks it up off a trailer hitch. Didn't remember to chalk the boat, and there that boat goes, and it slides back, and it slides back, and there's a big old ravine back there, and slides back down the ravine, and then you're stuck on top of the ravine, looking down about thirty or forty or fifty feet at a boat that's about all the way down the ravine, and the tournament starting the next day. Do you remember that one? Uh, yes, Kurt. And let me tell you, dude, just to give you a little visual. When I jacked the thing up and it wouldn't come off the ball, well, you know, all you got to do is get in the truck and bump it reverse and it clears the ball. Well, I got in the truck and I bumped it reverse and I felt it pop loose. And I look in the mirror, and if you remember the old war pictures, you know, when a ship was torpedoed, yeah. you see that chip, the bow go up and then out of sight down in the water. Well, that's what my bass boat did. I watched it go up <laughs> and I watched the bow go out of sight over the seal. It do. It went down, like you said, it went down this embankment probably 200 feet and stopped in a chain link fence right before going out on the interstate. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. So, let's go, man. I know yeah, I was going to say, man, it's, it's, it, it's hard for me to get serious now after laughing. You've got my stomach hurting over here. But, you know, Harold, there is no question that your bread and butter was and is fishing the plastic worm and you know the crazy thing is we talk about this a lot that you know so many people have kind of we've gotten away from those old staples that have worked so well for some reason uh or another i guess because they were working too well but give our listeners a few tips of what the main ingredients are to being successful with the plastic worm here the plastic worm number one deal is it's so versatile you know you can fish it in grass wood rocks whatever you know it can be fished in any depth water and it'll catch fish Probably my one deal for uh, anybody trying to master the worm is confidence. Confidence, confidence. You don't have confidence in what you're doing, where you're throwing it, knowing that it will get a bite. It's not, a, not, it's not always a tournament winner, but uh, it's definitely my clue to making so many classics because I was consistent. You know, I could always go out there and catch a limit of fish regardless of conditions, and the plastic worm would do that. But confidence in it, feeling the bottom, I always fished it on the bottom. And uh, around any kind of cover, it would go through the thickest of cover. It was just my go-to bait. When things really got bad, the bite slowed down. It was my confidence bait. Can you talk to me a little bit just quickly about the difference between, like, using a ribbon tail or a straight tail? And then also as far as, you know, do you peg the weight? Do you not peg the weight? I know that has come up a lot within our listener questions. Aaron, I very, very seldom take the weight. The only time I'll take the weight is if I'll pitch it into something like buck brush or maybe deep pine where I want the, the bait and the weight to go down together. 
if you take a weight when you're casting, say make a long cast, 20, 30, 40, 50 yard cast, you will invariably lose fish. I did it. I tried it with two good worm fishermen in the boat with me. We did it all day long one day. Different guys buried, taking weight to the guy that picked the weight and lost the most fish. But, uh, you know, river tail, straight tail, that is a better compass. I used to not throw anything but river tails. And uh, toward the end there, I started throwing a lot of straight tail worms. I think the, the thought process being behind that is the straight tail worm was more of a finesse application, even though it may be a six, seven, eight inch worm. The river tails, I think, where they come into play is when you get into the situation where you're swimming the worm quite a bit, you know. I hardly ever swim the worm. I try to keep it on the bottom. But, uh, again, straight tail, river tail, uh, that's more of a confidence deal, uh, in my opinion. Well, lots of great tips right there. Uh, hopefully, uh, all of our Bass Edge Nation listeners will uh, take those to heart, get out there, and go back to the days of old a little bit with Harold when they're out there worm fishing and, and think about those tips and techniques to make you better. I think one thing for sure, really critical, as Harold mentioned, is keeping that bait connected to the bottom. I think that's so, so important, and, and a lot of people just aren't aware of the placement of the worm and where it is in the waller column. So uh, take that tip and... And uh, hopefully you go out there and catch a lot more fish on a plastic worm. But, Harold, it's time for the O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Listener question segment. This episode's $100 gift card goes to a question we received from Zach from Almo, Kentucky. Zach asks, how do I find a productive ledge? I do almost all of my fishing on Kentucky Lake around the Blood River area. I can't do a lot of travel being I'm only 16, but I want to know how to locate ledges that are close by and are productive. Many times I look on the GPS map, go to a ledge, but when I use my structure scan over it and around it, I see very little fish. I've never encountered a school of bass on a ledge. Is there a way to weed out bad ledges to find the good ones? Ooh, that's an awesome question, I guarantee you. Zach, here's what you need to do, bud. First of all, there's no substitute for time on the water. Even though you can't travel a lot, you are in an area that has a ton of fish, a load of fish. So let's do a little nitpicking here. If you got a ledge fish, Zach, normally the good ledges have a little something different. They may be just a bit of an uh, extra contour to them. They may be a ledge that may pop up, you know, a foot or two foot over the mile before or the mile after but more than likely, it's a ledge that has some good, solid cover on it, uh, a shell bed, maybe a few rocks, maybe a few stumps. There's something about that ledge that's a little bit different. It could be a channel swing like we talked about, an inside channel swing, an outside channel swing. But most often, it's going to be a place along the ledge that has a little bit extra bit of cover to it. Your structure can will show you that cover. Now then, what you got to remember, you say you've never seen fish on it. Fish can get so close to the bottom, a lot of times that they appear to be the bottom. So you may be seeing fish and just not realize it. Wow, that's great advice. Many, many times, like you speak of, we talk about that false bottom and, and losing those fish as they relate to the bottom. Sometimes, you know, it, it's going to take getting over top of them and popping a spoon or getting them to show themselves or something and coming back at a later time. But great advice, Zach. Thanks for sending in that question, and congratulations for having it chosen to be answered on the show. Please send us an email letting us know you heard it answered on this episode of Bass Edge Radio by Hall of Famer Harold Allen, and we will send you a $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. 
Bass Education, I'm going to break it down for you. i got to be honest. Over the past few weeks, our feedback has been a little bit slow. Remember to send in those questions for a chance to receive that $100 gift card in the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. Questions and comments should come to us via our email address, support at BassEdge.com, or through our Facebook page or Twitter at BassEdge. Remember to include your name and hometown. Harold, you are, in fact, a legend, and quite honestly, it's been just an absolute pleasure and treat having you here with us at Bass Edge Radio. Any final thoughts of wisdom that you could bestow on on myself and Kurt and our listeners? Aaron, you know, we have a little deal we like to tell people during seminars. You know, when you go out fishing, not everybody can fish every day, so your time on the water is limited. When you do get on the water, have a specific game plan in mind. Okay, we know what the fish habitats are supposed to be doing this time of year, this kind of water situation. Just don't go out there and pray on wet everything. Spring of the year, we know they're going to be spotted, or supposed spotted is past month. So let's pick a bait or lure and address those conditions. You know, summertime, it's going to be an early bite, a late bite. Then we're probably going to have to get out there and either fish heavy, heavy cover or fish deep. Just know the fish habitats. It is your responsibility as fishermen to know what fish should be doing at a given time of year, you know, given water situation, and, and address those issues right there. Just don't go out and start trailing the way it baits and change it baits left and right. Have a reason, okay? That's awesome stuff, Harold. Always teaching, always education. I love it. You know, you've always been a Hall of Famer to me. I congratulate you on this amazing and well-deserved recognition you're going to receive here in just a couple weeks. Have a great time, Harold. Enjoy the limelight, my friend. Bass Edge Radio will be back after this message. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. I just got to tell you, I freaking love that guy. Harold Allen, he's an amazing dude. I mean, just an amazing fisherman, but most importantly, an amazing guy. He's fun to talk to. What would you think about that interview? I agree. Obviously, he's a consummate professional from an angler, has the statistics to go with it. More importantly, you know, if you're being inducted to the Hall of Fame, it's not all, especially the Fishing Hall of Fame, it's not all about just stats. It's about the type of person, your character, your integrity, how you treat people when nobody's looking because the sport of bass fishing we all know it's kind of we're off by ourselves and you have other boats coming in to the coves or pleasure boaters that we all get frustrated with that guy just does it right and lives what he talks about it's really exciting he's one of the very few kurt you know that really we can't add a lot to <laughs> that's exactly right you know what i, I love most is you ask him if he's got any final thoughts for our listeners and he continues teaching continues <laughs> educating. I mean, it's, it's like the gospel according to harold yeah that's exactly right man he loves the sport he, he loves bass fishing he's been around it for eons that's why he's where he's at that's why he's the legend that's why he's a hall of famer absolutely and speaking of being around we really appreciate you 
the listener being around to uh, share these experiences with Kurt and I here on Bass Edge Radio. For episode number 201, that is all we have for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. I am Aaron Martin. Have a great week, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Ba-boom! That was a bite, and here's your new Bass Edge Radio, episode 2001, February 1st, 2015. Aaron, um, hang on. It's not episode 2001. Oh. <laughs> My uh, bad. Hey, we're going to leave that on here because that All is right. going to make the blooper reel. <laughs> All righty. Uh, yeah, we're 987 years old. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.